Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Okay, good morning. I'm Eric. This is Joy, Carissa, and Timothy. And actually, we wanted to share with you some good news uh, with our family. So it's actually about Carissa and just our family in general. So when Joy and I had been married for about five years, we had been trying to have children naturally. And actually, Mitch and uh, the Harris GT, they called us one night on the phone and just really prayed by faith that you know Joy and I would have children. That was something we were really hoping and believing for. And actually, nine months later, we got the call that Carissa had been born at the hospital. So she was about four days old, four pounds. She hadn't been eating really. And we had actually gone through the foster care process. So we actually went, got Carissa. So we actually sold our house, lived with Joy's parents, uh, John and Mary Ann Pinter, who's actually here. So I call Mary Ann, we don't call her grandma, I call her Naomi because they are just have such a sweet relationship. So uh, we had bought a bigger house. It kind of had an expensive year, but Joy felt the Lord telling her it was time to actually quit her job to stay home with Carissa and with the family. And very shortly after that, we got the call about little Timothy. So he was three days old at the hospital when we had gotten him. And so our family's been growing kind of untraditionally, but we have, you know, we're at eight years of marriage now. We've been believing God for his promises still. And it's actually Joy has an announcement to make. Well, Carissa is almost fully adopted. We're just waiting for the paperwork. So that's such a praise. We just thank you so much for all of your prayers and support. And we know that little Timmy will be following soon. So we just really appreciate that. And I just want to say thank you to all of you who've prayed for us and you've been believing with us for um, children in an unexpected miracle. But I am 10 weeks pregnant as well. <laughs> And we just have to say that it really, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And um, we have gone to the reproductive clinic. We've gone through so many processes and they just scratched, the doctors scratched their heads and said, it's unexplained infertility. The only option you have is in vitro, which we didn't feel comfortable with. So that's why we went down the adoption um, pathway instead. And the day that we conceived our little baby right now, weeks away from my window. So it felt like just God's hand just saying, it's all me, join Eric, and I'm going to be faithful to my promises. There's people here from the marriage conference that was just here, that lamb conference. We really do welcome you. I know that you guys have just been through such a powerful experience with your marriage. Uh, kind of a cool uh, testimony for Joy and I as well when we went through lamb uh, when it was here the first time. We'd actually come up uh, for prayer. They did a time for people who were wanting to uh, get pregnant naturally. And so this is kind of a cool testimony that comes out of that. Joy had gotten uh, prayer at that time for that. And uh, Rodney and Cheryl uh, Rickard, who go here, they had gone to a lamb to kind of decide, hey, is this something we're going to bring to our church or not? And the kind of funny thing, they were out in California, and they had asked their group, does anybody 
is anybody here wanting to get pregnant? Well, Rodney and Cheryl, they're both like, they're so beautiful. They both got white hair. Well, they both stood up for us, which, you know, everybody looked at them like, oh, you guys want to have children because we weren't there. (laughs) (laughs) And they actually stood in faith, received prayer from faith. So one thing, Joy and I have really experienced from our family church here, uh, this body, is it's okay to let your, your needs be known to people, your desires, the things that you're standing for in faith, because people from this church will come and pray with you. They will stand with you. And actually, for me, where my journeys, I've had an uh, awesome journey of healing from multiple sclerosis to where I used to just live down the road, handicap apartment, electric wheelchair, neighbors carrying in groceries and things like that. And um, I had a friend here who had heard, you know, Eric, I heard you're still fighting for, you know, all of that healing. It's not just good to be 80% or 85. Like Jesus didn't pay 85. He paid 100. So right in the middle of a service, a friend, it's actually my buddy right here, Jared. He just came up and said, hey, I heard you're going for more. He laid hands on me. And actually that was just a few months ago. I did 80 minutes on the stair stepper the other day. So that was kind of a new record for myself. Like, so we're going to keep fighting back. Okay, so I did want to share part of, I think, why, you know, Joy and I going through this foster care process, becoming parents, getting children. Part of the reasons it's been so powerful and moving to me is because when I was uh, from about the age of five to seven years old, I actually had lived in what was essentially the party house in the neighborhood. Uh, You had an older brother and sister, way older. There's a lot of drugs, alcohol, things like that taken on. And it's like, I can remember back to those times riding my bike around the neighborhood. And I can remember the actual kind of the vulgar things I'd say to people that I just as a kid thought was funny because I was surrounded by that. Um, But I actually had uh, two heroes step into my life at that time. And it was my aunt and uncle whose daughter actually had shared the gospel with me about three months before that happened. But in the middle of the night, you know, something had happened with uh, my mom and my grandma and aunt came to pick me up. And so basically from seven years old up through college, I all of a sudden went to a house where there was Bible stories every night. You know, we had three meals a day. Like it was just, we had to play outside. We weren't allowed to watch television all the time. So my life was so drastically changed. It's kind of weird to think about what would my life have turned out like if I had just stayed in that environment, if I just stayed in that original home that I was being raised in. And it's like God can redeem anything, but there would have been a whole lot, I think, more redemption had it not been taken over by a Christian family who really had to sacrifice because it was a stay-at-home mom. My aunt was and my uncle, he rode the bus to work every single day. He wasn't making a lot of money. I think he was making 30000 at the time and that me coming onto the scene made for five of us. So in one second, I am gonna share briefly kind of the process to become foster parents because they've made it actually easier than when Joy and I had gone through it. Okay, so with the foster care process, the reason I say it's a little bit easier to go through now than when Joy and I went through it, so she and I went, it's about five Saturdays in person if you choose to do it that way. And the nice thing they have now, they do have a virtual option, you know, so if you just want to put on your... uh, Uh, bath towel, coffee, you know, click your video on for a minute and then off. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's the rule, but either way, you can kind of do that from your home without having to travel back and forth. 
you do have to go through a process where they come and make sure your fire, um, you know, the things, the detectors are in your house, smoke detectors, a couple different things like that. But for us, it was pretty uh, streamlined process. And one of the things we didn't know about um, before we went through it, they do have a really cool option uh, that you can become what's called a respite parent. And that's where you just open up your house for somebody to come on a weekend, you know, for one of the kids to come to stay for a weekend or a sibling set. And I mean, what a better missionary opportunity is there for a kid who's gone through who knows what in their life, but then they get to come to a Christian home. They get to experience the presence of God. They get to experience the love, the good food, the fun experiences and things like that. So part of why I want to encourage that and put that out to you know our church, to Wake Church or anybody that's here today is because one of the greatest days in United States history has happened recently. And that's where the curse of Roe v. Wade has been cast into the sea. Okay, so praise God for that, you know, that and the miracle he did and his timing, how he chose to do that. Well, now the natural product is there are going to be more children that are born. And I think the biggest accusation towards believers and pro-life people is that well, you just care for them if they're in, when they're in the womb. You don't care for them once they come out of the womb, like all these things. Well, one way we can sort of put our money where our mouth is to say, no, we do care for these kids. We are here. And what portion we're able to become a part of that process or to help out for them, like I said, whether that's even being a respite parent on occasion, it is something that I think could be an awesome step that we as believers and that we as a church can do. So again, that process is about a five-week process. We've chosen to do it with Children Home Societies, which is actually like a block away from here. They've been awesome. We've been with Christian social workers. They walked us every step through the way. And I know there's actually several other foster parents at Awake who have done it with other companies. So there's a lot of great companies and ways to do it. I think one of the things I just really want to encourage people to pray about and consider is that something that God could be calling you to? Is that some way that you can be serving, you know, these children? Um, cool a testimony Joy and I have heard several times is that people were trying to get pregnant naturally. It hadn't happened. But as soon as they stepped out into doing adoption or doing foster care, whatever way, how that works out, they do end up getting pregnant. So for Joy and I, it's been eight years, you know, of trying. And sometimes she would get discouraged, like, I just don't know. And I'd say, honey, let's try again. You know, I held on to faith for our family. <laughs> Men, sometimes we have to hold the faith there. <laughs> okay. And However you're building your family or starting to build your family, I will really want to encourage you to ask the Lord if that's something that he's calling you to. So anytime, whether it's a church or a society or a culture, you can basically break people into three groups for any cause that there is. Number one is the fighters. That's the people who are on the front line, who are in passion. They're really going for it. The second group is people who help the fighters. That's people who are, you know, help contributing towards, encourage them, take care of some of the things. 
But there's a third group, and that's the people who do nothing. Okay, and I think when we all stand before God one day, hey, maybe best case scenario, whatever the, that thing that God puts in us to do, that we be fighters for one, like we really be willing to step out there and get into the ring. But at the very least, if we're not fighting for some of these causes, there's really no excuse for us to not be helpers, you know, somehow to those who are out there fighting. And for the pro-life movement, I'm talking about, you know, we have pregnancy centers. You know, you've probably seen a lot of those have gotten firebombed. There's a lot of not only physical attack against these places, but there are spiritual attacks too. They don't want these pregnancy workers, you know, these people that are actually there teaching the classes on parenting. Satan does not, those ladies and, and men out there are a lot of times, between, they're the person that's encouraging people to keep you know, their babies when they've come to get the free ultrasound and they've come to get some of the free care. So it's easy to support some of those places by giving them diapers, by asking them what they need, going to some of the dinners that they have, but helping the fighters. The thing that we really cannot do is to do nothing. Because one thing that always perplexed me, especially, you know, learning about, you know, Germany and everything that took place with the Holocaust, so I always wondered, that was a Protestant nation. Like, it was always, what was the church doing during that time that that could happen? But I felt God turned towards me one time, and he said, Eric, your nation's going through its own crises right now. There's a bunch of them. But even with the abortion thing, and I felt God say, Eric, what are you doing in the midst of this? Because we will each stand before God one day and uh, 2 Corinthians 10 says, we'll give account for the good and the things that weren't good that we've done. Like, So if you think about it, God hand-placed each one of us to be in this country, in this season, in this decade, and what's going on. And um, there was a prophetic voice in Germany, and this was so interesting to me. I've learned so much about this. Bonhoeffer was actually a voice to the church during that whole thing going on with the persecution of the Jews and with the Holocaust that was going on. And he was speaking out to the churches, this is going on, this is what we need to do. So in Germany, there was 18,000 Protestant churches at the time of the 1930s and uh, the 1940s. They actually, so of 18,000 pastors, 3,000 took a strong stand that this will not stand. We're gonna be involved. We're gonna help hide these Jewish families and these Jewish people to you know, protect them and take care of them. Now, on the contrary, there were 3,000 pastors who took a strong stand with the Nazis with Hitler, we'll help you crush the churches that are getting in the way of this. And does anybody know, I just learned this, what was the number one scripture that was quoted by the pastors that were helping the Nazis and that were helping Hitler? Does anybody know? Romans 13. Submit to the governing authorities. Don't, you know, push back against them. So here was a wicked and an evil authority in government, yet they were saying, submit to that. If you're hiding people, give them over as soon as they come out. Now, so we've accounted for 3,000 in who became fighters and 3,000 who are 
fighting for you know, the wrong cause, that leaves 12,000 pastors in the middle. Does anybody know what they chose to do? Nothing. They remained silent. They continued having church. They continued talking about John 3.13, but they are kind of, well, we want our prosperity. We don't want to have our goods plundered. We don't want persecution. They just decided to take kind of a low approach through that. So one quote from Bonhoeffer is actually this. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. And there's a book, it's a pretty powerful book that a guy's written. It's called A Letter to America. And it's in the spirit of like the letter to the Philippians or the Corinthians. Like what would God speak to the church at large? And I'm actually gonna quote this to you. And this, y'all, this shook me. Like this is powerful. So I really want you to take hold of this. The silence of the church in Germany that led to the satanic evil of the Nazis and the Holocaust is exactly as the same as silence in churches in America today, which will, without question, lead us to horrors unimaginable unless we repent and unless we cease being silent. When evil rises and you say nothing, God will judge you. The German church tried to take the neutral ground and the enemy destroyed that nation and that destroyed millions of lives. Most of the excuses that we hear right now for the silence is the same exact as the excuses in Germany, saying, well, we don't wanna be political we don't want to confuse the gospel with politics. And it was that silence of the 12,000 that allowed that to take place in that country. So that's just a few generations from us. And I want to say too, I want to applaud so many that are here and that have taken active leads in this fight for pro-life in our nation, have taken active steps in so many different areas. Um, so actually there was uh, one of the guys in the forge called for a five-day water fast, you know, where we were just praying. That was before the Roe v. Wade thing. A lot of people here fasted and prayed, have gone out to the sidewalks, you know, to actually pray for the women. They've shown statistically the abortions decrease when just somebody's out on the sidewalk praying and standing, just somebody being there. Um, kind of a cool thing and a total Holy Ghost uh a Holy Ghost idea. It's one of the best ideas I feel like I've ever heard. Uh, Jared here on the front row, he started an app and it's called Pro-Life Payments. And it's actually to like com uh, compete with and battle with Square and some of these big woke companies that are paying their employees to, you know, fly to states now where they can get abortions. Well, right here in our own home church, God has given somebody that idea and it's really taken off. So, this isn't to say we don't have fighters among us, but what it is to say around the world, there's a lot of countries where Christians fear the raised fist, meaning they can actually be harmed. They can actually have their homes invaded. They can actually have their lives taken away from them for standing up for Jesus Christ. But in America, 
Christians fear the raised eyebrow. Does this person think about me? Are they going to da-da-da? Is this going to affect my job? Like da-da-da. Well, we're in a situation where a stitch in time truly can save nine because if we don't, if, if, and I'm saying, again, if you're a person that's involved, keep up the good work. If you're a person that's helping, keep up the good work. But if there's anything in you that's, ah, you know, life's busy, you know? I do have a family. I have these things going on. I want to encourage you, take a step for some of these areas where God may be calling you. And I want to say what Jesus said. I want to quote him. Jesus said, blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy for indeed your reward is great in heaven. And in Revelations 21, Jesus also says, this is near the end, he who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake. So, you know, I always got the, yeah, the sexually immoral, the liars, the murderers, but there's actually a cowardly thing there that actually, you know what? It was pretty awesome today because we can't just pinch ourselves and say, I've never spoken up on a cultural issue or the truth, a difficult truth before. You can't just pinch yourself necessarily and make yourself do that. But the good news is we have an example. Think of Peter who wouldn't even preach. He was ashamed to know Jesus in front of a slave girl, you know, warming himself by the fire. Like he wouldn't even talk about Jesus. But just like we kind of caught the fire up in the men's class this morning, several new people got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and praying in fire. Jesus, who even when the guys who had spent three years with them, Mike, I'm kind of quoting you. Those guys had three years of, of training with Jesus and he didn't just say, okay, now I'm leaving, you go. He said, you wait for, the, for something else that's coming, for someone else who's coming. And with that baptism of the Holy Spirit that they received, all of a sudden the guy who couldn't preach the gospel to you know, a slave girl, a, a woman who was, didn't, weren't you with him? Didn't you know him? Didn't I hear your accent? Aren't you with him? All of a sudden he steps out and in one day of preaching that gospel with the boldness and with the fire, 3,000 people come ushered into the kingdom. So Mike asked us a question. He said, what's the most people that's ever gotten saved in a day as a result of your sharing the gospel? 3,000 is a pretty good number to get in one day. Okay, so I think the encouragement thing I want to do to you. So one last uh, story. So in... Germany, here's a story. There, there used to be churches alongside the railways because those went throughout. And there would be boxcars full of Jewish families who were being carted off to the concentration camps. And they were screaming, you know, they're seeing these churches. Does anybody know what they did in the churches whenever those cars were going by and they were shouting out? They would sing louder so that they didn't have to hear what was actually going on. They were covering up. So what I want to encourage us as a body to do. Lord, here I am. Send me. What's a way to become a fighter? What's a way 
that you can help the fighters. And then finally, if you found yourself to be in a place where you've done nothing or you've been silent, I want to encourage you, repent, you know, come before the Lord, talk to somebody if you haven't been involved in something that you know, this is a big deal for our culture. Again, think of the guy who took the talent that Jesus gave him, buried it, and then when he brought it back or in the parable of Jesus's talent, he said, well, here, like, take this back. Like, I knew you were the austere man. I knew you were the one that reaps where you didn't harvest or harvest where you didn't reap. And the master's like, okay, like, you'll have no place here. Like, you have no place in my kingdom with me. So I just want to say this as an important thing for us, that there'll be harvest that will uh, come out of this time of speaking encourage you with. It's only by the Holy Spirit that we can increase in that boldness. And um, thanks for hearing me out today, guys. Bless Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.